When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. up welcome to episode number 397 of other corner of the official pitcherlist.com podcast i'm your host alex fast joined as always by mr Bucketman himself nick pollock nick how you doing what is happening yes i am wearing an angel's bucket hat right now because the wonderful a deal a deal aoc i don't know a twitch viewer he's wonderful talked to him multiple times sent me this angel's bucket hat that's reversible just so you know oh and also bb8 Mike Trout uh, bobblehead. Let's see this hat reversal. Yeah, it's oh, a sailor's hat. You know? it too. It's a sailor's hat. <laughs> which very funny too is as Nick was showing me the podcast before we started and I was at that game, which means we were at the same game because you only give that bobblehead away once. And uh, yeah. that's so yeah, funny. So faster. It is now it's the red on the outside. It's a lovely bucket hat. And uh, I cannot oh. thank him enough for sending it my way. Also, I've been seeing the photos of people posting the uh, the baseball shirt. That is the all in mm. pride colors. It is wonderful to see it. Uh, huge, huge shout out to um, uh, to just everybody supporting that. We've raised over two thousand dollars for the human rights campaign, awesome. uh, which is just absolutely amazing. And also a huge shout out to Steve Drumwright writing a fantastic article on the site about the situation. I encourage everybody to give it a read. If you have your thoughts about it that you want to share and have an honest conversation with me about it, I want to hear them. So definitely send me an email if that's the case. Um, But in the same way that I imagine you respect that I um, feel very strongly about this for certain reasons, I imagine I want to hear yours as well. And maybe we can uh, take steps together uh, to better understand each other. Well said. Well said. Um, plenty to talk about today. We have a new version of the list. We've had some, uh, you know, obviously you should be checking out Nick's breakdowns and streams each week. Just did a quick stream of the top 100 as he does every week, a day late because of a vacation. But you should also <laughs> be checking out these video breakdowns that Nick does as well with a fantastic breakdown of um, uh, what's the one that you just did yesterday? Oh, uh, Andrew Abbott. It was so fantastic. You forgot everyone. Yeah, exactly. Uh, listen, I'm trying <laughs> to plug your stuff here, okay? Uh, so you should be checking stuff. Yeah, I mean, meanwhile, great. Alex Fast launched his own podcast last week, the Alex Fast Show, with oh, you know, just a guest of David Cohn, um, which is insane. <laughs> then he goes on to Sunday Night Baseball to say that Alex Fast is his pitching guru, which is also insane. I I can't even tweet that because it feels too arrogant. But of it's like the most. I mean, I should. Uh, I should take most, that and go. This is the most incredible thing ever. It's um, but here you guys go. It's all there for everyone to see. I mean, honestly, for me, it's just like, oh, it's a it's a Tuesday uh, <laughs> hearing that stuff about Alex Fast. No, 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 no. Um, has also the uh, the part one of the Tyler Wells talking pitching oh. podcast from last week. And how dare you suggest that you're going to break him down today? I thought that was hilarious with that Twitter poll because <laughs> we've got enough Tyler Wells, buddy. Okay, he was a feature of the list last week. Know. You know, it's going to be Mackenzie Gore, oh. is it not? It's Mackenzie Gore. I just recorded it. Seven pages of notes. I'm so excited to talk about it. So that should be coming out relatively soon. Um, So check that out. But we are talking today about the top 100 
very excited to have you back. Nick, kudos to all the podcasts you've been doing while you've been in Asheville. I hope that meetup was as fun as it was. It was a great time. Yeah, Jason Collette gives his best, which, of course, he sent you a photo that will oh. never go on the internet. Uh, it won't, but it'll be in my heart forever. Uh, so today's, this is this is kind of a funny one. Today's um, categories, and I don't really quite know how you're going to react to it, but we're just going to oh, go no. with it. So obviously yesterday, Apple unveiled their Apple Vision Pro, which oh, is uh, just, it, to me, an abomination. It's like, I don't know how many times you need to do these AR, you know, mixed reality headsets before a company finally realizes that maybe the mass public doesn't want it. At a price point of $3,500 also. Anyway, um, yep. this is not a tech podcast. I want to know the yes. other ideas Apple was going to come out with instead of the Apple Vision No. Pro. Oh, my yeah, God. Like what right, you're really tapping thing. into the creative mind of Nick Pollock. You wanted that. You wanted this. I do. Kind of like- I do. It's just that it's not like 1 a.m. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So that's what the category is. It's like, what were, okay. what are the other things that were on the drawing board Yeah, sure, before? sure, sure. I got okay, this. So. Okay. All right, cool. Um, so we are going to dive into the list. Now, listen, uh, we're going to go tier by tier as usual. Not many changes in the top 13. Actually, no changes in the top 13. But let's break down. Let's start with tier one. Uh, Garrett Cole, Spencer Strider. Number three is Shane McClanahan, followed by Shohei Otani, Kevin Gosman, and Luis Castillo. And tier one, what's it called and why is it called that? This is called a cheap iPhone with an amazing battery life with uh with customization that you can jail uh jailbreak and everything you ever would want in an iphone gotcha so the the apple mac i mean the apple windows is what you're looking for like a perfect mix of those things yeah yep okay that's what everyone wants that's That's what everyone wants it's what it wants all the time yeah, I mean, you, you already you already touched upon this in the Plus Pitch podcast when you were breaking down Spencer Strider, but I think his performance as well as Garrett Cole's recent performance kind of showed why they're not going to be swapped on the list at two and one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's uh, four walks for Strider. Garrett Cole, honestly, to me, is going through a moment. And unless I really feel like, okay, you know what? No, the, the slider is absolutely gone. The four-seamer is not as effective. If I actually feel that, then I'll remove him from number one. But otherwise, I feel like Garrett Cole is just going to be the absolute rock and fantasy through the rest of the year. No major changes, but is there anyone else in this tier that you want to hit upon before we go to tier two? I mean, obviously you guys are scared about Shohei Otani's ERA, but I'm not. So we keep going. And also Luis Castillo only gets better as the season goes on. So he's unbelievable. So excited. Love that. Uh, Tier two, seven through 14, Zach Wheeler, Zach Gallen, Christian Javier, Joe Ryan, Max Scherzer at 12 is Corbin Burns, followed by Clayton Kershaw and new to the tier at number 14, Framber Valdez. What's it called? And why is it called that? This is the iOS 17 that allows you to uh, view and send images to Android phones without them being super small. Oh, oh, would absolutely love that. Would absolutely love that. So it's two things that we need to talk about within this tier. Um, one is the delineating factor between the tiers. What was it about the difference between Luis, Luis Castillo and Zach Wheeler that had you put the tier break there? And then also we'll get into Framber Valdez and why he rose five sure. after that. Yeah, I with Zach Wheeler, I know I keep flip-flopping on this, but he keeps doing it to our hearts. And I need to realize that uh, I do see Zach Wheeler being in that top 10 stud the rest of the year. But he isn't that just you You lock him in and you know you're going to get production like the top six that you have right now. So fine. You're back to tier two, Zach Wheeler. Nothing, whatever. That's just what we have to do. We had a conversation a little while ago where I had the worst brain fart ever and I forgot what, you know, Framber Valdez's best pitch was. But then I was watching this most recent start. I, I think I don't remember if it was the Sunday morning game. No, no, it was it was Friday, Friday night mm-hmm. uh, where his cutter 
against yes. the angels, which you've brought up a bunch to your credit. But man, that cutter what they didn't know what to do with that right. cutter. Picked up six whiffs, thirty five percent CSW overall. It just looked really good, and it also kind of hinted at a nice. I imagine that's why he's up here, an even higher kind of upside for him if there is kind of consistency with that cutter game over. Game. Absolutely, he's uh he's only had a few starts this year with. 20% or more usage on it, but they've all been inside his last five starts. So that's three of his last five have increased that while it's been 15% on the entire season. And I think it's just the weapon that he needs. Uh, he needs a little bit more strikes. It's like 58%. That's kind of why we don't see it as uh, frequently as we want it to. But 21% swing strike rate this year, sub 20% hard contact, just a 156 average allowed on Framer Valdez's cutter this season. And the biggest concerns I've always had about Vrana Valdez was, hey, the sinker gets hit hard too often. 38% hard contact this season. But uh, if he has that cutter to nullify it a bit, well, then maybe the walk rate goes down. Um, It's down to 5% now. That means that the width that used to be 116 and 125 is 103 at the moment. And I didn't award him the ace is going to ace label inside the roundup. But in retrospect, I should have. And I just kind of looked at the list and thought, yeah, you have Ramper Valdez right now. And you're thinking he is my rock on my team with his 216 ERA and 103 whip, 27% strikeout rate. Sure, those things will likely get worse as the season goes on, but he's still going to be a top 15 pitcher in my mind. It's so funny to think about, too, just as a quick tangent, like how much a how much difference a year makes in the sport, because Right now, you like you just kind of said, you don't necessarily have a problem with Framber Valdez leading your staff, both from a fantasy perspective and from a regular team perspective. Oh, absolutely. Just thinking about love it. They love it, right? And there are people thinking, how are we going to replace Verlander? How are we going to replace Verlander? And here's this homegrown talent. Well, Verlander's thrown 36 innings with a 425 ERA. Like, it's just kind of nuts to, to think about. Um, all right. So let's move on to well, actually, excuse me, any other people in this tier that you want to talk about? Uh, not really. Uh, yeah, Christian Javier needs to get a slider back in the zone. Joe Ryan didn't have his secondaries at all. And it was not very good, but he'll be much better once he has, you know, he goes more than what, one for 31 on a slider plus splitter CSW? Ridiculous. Yeah, that'll get better. Um, all right, let's move then to tier three here, 15 through 20. Sandy Alcantara, Tyler Glasnow, Justin Verlander, Pablo Lopez, Aaron Nola, and Logan Gilbert. All of these fall one because of Framber Valdez. What is it called and why is it called that? Oh, man, this is the affordable MacBook that is actually like $800, but with their M1 chip or something like that. Hmm. So what I'm getting at is uh, all these MacBooks are like $1,500. I don't know what they did, uh, but it used to be back in the day, like you had a MacBook that was relatively cheap sure, and was a very effective thing. And they don't really do that anymore. They do it with like the little Mac Studio or whatever it is, the uh, the mini Mac. But yeah. no, where's that MacBook that actually has this good chip? And use the old one. It's fine. Everyone would love it. So I want that. All right. Uh, so but it's not an ace yet. You know, that's not an ace machine. So that's sure. tier three. Which is sad that we have to talk about that in terms of Sandy Alcantara. I mean, you wrote about it in the SP Roundup because a lot of people are scared, right? A lot of people are scared. They saw the performance this past week. Granted, it came in... Well, there's two things. One came largely, I think, actually all in the first inning. But second, it came against the first inning against the Oakland Athletics, who it shouldn't be coming against whatsoever. Was it two innings or was it one? I think it was a second inning or so. It doesn't matter. It was early. It was early in the start. Yeah, it was very early. He left five runs and then he went seven innings. You know, so he still had a sub one whip and then seven strikeouts. And this is kind of the thing I I, I do try and emphasize a little bit is ERA and whip are both fantasy stats. 
You know, I mean, I know the ERA has been bad for Sandy Alcantara. Trust me, I understand. 507. The 122 whip is 72nd among all starting pitchers. It is not, that isn't pulling you down in your leagues. Uh, and he is also collecting a fair number of strikeouts, uh, 67 on the year, because um, he goes so many innings, even if the strikeout rate is 21% on the season. He's 96 percentile in innings pitch still. So obviously, okay, what is up with the ERA? What is up with the hipper nine? That's over at uh, one further. The whip is at 122. What is going on? And I actually did some digging on this. I, I found a few things. And it's really just, it, it's one that leads to the other. Um, the ground ball rate is dramatically lower for Sandy Alcantara mm. this year. Uh, we're talking 55% to 48%. Why is that? And to me, it's just the changeup. And this changeup has suddenly dropped massively when it comes to uh, when it comes to grounders this season, and I don't really understand it. Like all of a sudden, it's it, he's removing ground balls for line drives, and the hard contact has gone from nineteen percent to thirty two percent. Batting mm-hmm. average left from one fifty to three ten. The x average one fifty eight to two fifty thirty five on this changeup, and yet I it didn't lose movement. Location's pretty much the same. Uh, velocity is still there, usage is still there, approach is still there. And we do say this often, when it comes to batted ball, the most noisy is line drive rate mm. uh, of, of the three. So is that is is it as simple as that, where Sandy Alcantara has allowed um, about 50 uh, balls in play at the moment, and there have been fewer ground balls off of them? Is it just as simple as that small sample? He hasn't allowed a single home run on it. It's just been liners instead of grounders. So I do wonder if that's a major factor with it. And I talk about this with you all the time. Like um, we talk about, oh, this pitch is, has this kind of ex-woba or this is this average. I'm like, all right, how many, you know, how many batters face? And you're like, and what was it today with Mackenzie Gore? It was like 20 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's like, we can't really surmise stuff with that. Um, but what we can say is that, well, yeah, these results are not good. <laughs> not that those are the results that should always happen, right? Yeah. So that's a weird thing I'm seeing from Sandy Alcantara. I I mean, it could be just one of those things that maybe he's even tipping it in some way. That's maybe that's guys understand it more. I don't know, but it is line drives. It's not home runs, zero home runs. So that makes me feel like, again, it's more just noisy annoyance uh, for, yeah. uh, for Sandy Alcantara. And then of course you got to throw in the fact, oh yeah, it's a 58% left on base rate. That is <laughs> that's, atrocious. That's unbelievable. It's so bad. Uh, typically when we say it's an underperforming left on base rate, it's like 68%, right? League average is 71. The aces of the world generally live around 75 to 80. Last year, for example, it was 79% for Sandy Alcantara. That felt kind of real considering how effective he is at uh, jamming guys and he gets a decent amount of strikeouts when he needs them. So this 20-point drop so far in left on base rate for Sandy Alcantara is another reason why it's a 5.07 ERA as opposed to like a 3.7 ERA. Sure. Uh, so yeah, that's that's my quick take on Sandy Alcantara. We've seen it before where 2021, I think it was even, um, where he wasn't very good in the first half. And then, uh, then all of a sudden he just massively became a thing in the second half uh, when it all clicked again. And I think that we're going to see that with Sandy Alcantara this year. All right. Anyone else in this tier you want to hit upon before we move to tier four? Uh, not really. Verlander did much better against the Jays. At first, I was like, oh, I got to lower him again. I was like, wait, no, no, what am I doing? Four-seamer and slider were great against the Jays. That's a sign of improvement. Pablo Lopez has a bad ERA right now. That is not going to stick around as the changeup will get better. 
Um, Arenola didn't move. He lost one, but that's just because of Framber Valdez going up, guys. Don't look at the number ranks and everything. Understand the context and the nuance. And we need to see more from Arenola than just one start because he's done that before and then yep. fallen back down. Let's look at tier four then, 21 through 27. We're talking Logan Webb, Joe Musgrove, Nathan Eovaldi, George Kirby, Hugh Darvish, the largest riser in this tier, jumping up 10 to 26, Bobby Miller, also the list image, as well as uh, number 27, Chris Bassett. What's it called? Why is it called that? I feel like it's the Apple car. Like at some point, you know what's happening. <laughs> and why? You know? Why the Apple? Yeah. Well, I feel like also in tier four, it's like some point, all these guys should be really good. Um, and like, you feel like the way the Apple has moved forward with all their technology and stuff, cars are a natural progression of just saying, cool, here is your entire ecosystem built inside of a car instead of them just doing their Apple play or something or yeah. So, or car play, whatever they want to call it. Uh, so yeah, here you go. Nice sturdy car. Shazam. Uh, let's talk. I mean, there's a few things we want to talk about. One, I want to know how close Nathan Ivaldi is to getting his Ace is going to Ace label because, man, he's looked quite good recently. And then also we should talk about the largest riser in Bobby Miller. I mean, we saw, you know, this is the third start that we saw from him and unarguably the most dominant start from him, right? I mean, the yeah. four-seamer in and of itself, um, or it's funny, I think we we label it a sinker, um, but his, his fastball... Well, he has just, two, yeah. Yeah, his... The, the movement profile on that pitch uh, is very nice. Uh, I was looking at that, that that heater and it was like, it's just a thing to behold. Uh, picking up a bunch of called strikes, a sinker, according to us, picked up 13 called strikes on it. But that slider too, the slider, the way that he was able to locate that slider and the amount of whiffs that he got 11 overall against the Yankees. That might have been one of, I mean, I, I don't want to say it was the most because Bryce Miller's debut against Oakland was obviously incredibly dominant, but really one of the more dominant rookie pitching performances that yeah. we have seen uh, so far this year. So first, let's start with Evaldi and then move on to Miller. So with Evaldi, I don't think I can because I think we all know the 6% home run fly ball rate and 0.34 home run per nine is just not going to stick. Mm. We know this. It's also a 6.8 hit per nine, which is 87th percentile right now. I feel like that isn't going to stick either, considering that his hard hit rate is 41st percentile. That is not good. Um, I, I feel that he's going to allow more hits in time. He's going to allow more home runs in time. It's just kind of what happens. And you see, but no, the FIP is 244. Well, that believes that the, the home run per nine is real and the hit per nine is real. And that's not necessarily the case. Uh, that said, I recognize that Eovaldi just has been so good. He's 99th percentile in innings pitched at 80.1. Uh, it's incredible, 0.93 whip. Um, and you can thank the fact that his velocity has returned to 96 as opposed to yeah. being the 94 and uh, and even 93 in that second half last year. He was really good in the first half. That's why I see 95.8 last year. You feel like, oh, it's the same velocity. I'm like, no, it's not. First half is not the same as the second half. Um, and he's getting a ton of called strikes on it. 21% called strike rate on Eovaldi's four-seamer at the moment, while the splitter honestly has really impressed me. Um, I didn't think it would maintain the uh, the gains that it had last year, and it's still here. Uh, 20% swing strike rate on that, uh, 66% strike rate. It does get hit a decent amount, but uh, really high ground ball rate preventing those, those home runs, while the cutter is fine. It's a 66% strike rate. 27% hard contact. It's not really been damaged much. It gets him strikes, and that's cool, too. And the scurball is whatever. It's a show-me pitch, uh, mm. and it, that works as well. Uh, so it's all good. It's kind of the same Eovaldi. 
So I don't really think that this two-month stretch is the entire season for Eovaldi. It's It should be better than usual, but it's not this real ace, I think, in my mind for the next four months. And what about Bobby Miller? Is he, I mean, is this some of the highest upside to think of any rookie pitcher we've yeah, seen right. this year? Uh, so Bobby Miller in that first start was more four-seamer heavy. Um, 29 thrown and then seven, seven sinkers and then apparently just threw sinkers instead after that. It was kind of interesting trying to discern what was a sinker, what was a four-seamer watching that one live. Because mm. all of them had the lateral movement. And uh, it's kind of hard to say like, yeah, this is a sinker, this is a four-seamer just because, yeah, he gets a lot of lateral movement. Horizontal. And that to me isn't great for Bobby Miller because we generally like to see inver- induced vertical break like Bryce Miller's, for example, right? Or Taj Bradley's. And Bryce Miller's doesn't do that, which means that it's massive velocity. Uh, we're talking 98 to 90, uh, 99. They call him Bobby 100 in, mm. the, in the minors. Only has a 7.4% swing strike rate. However, tons of cold strikes. This yeah. pitch finds the zone 57% of the time and batters aren't doing damage against it. And that's really great. You know, we, we talk about like sinkers. Oh, I don't like them or this or that. But if they can find the zone consistently, he has a better margin for error because he throws them so hard. Yeah. And they have a good amount of movement. They're hard to square up inside on it. So the hard contact's just 24% so far. Then you throw in the slider that didn't have a ton of whiffs in the first two starts. Uh, we only saw one whiff on the start on May 29th against the Nationals. And then we saw three whiffs against the against Atlanta, and I was wondering if that would become a bit, bigger pitch for him. Then all of a sudden, against the Yankees, Bobby Miller goes 11 out of 30 whiffs with that slider. And as you said, it was dominant. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, the Yankees, I think, as a team, are more susceptible to good uh, right-handed breaking balls. Um, it's kind of like mm-hmm. that with the White Sox, where they do jump on more fastball-focused pitchers. We saw that with Bryce Miller. We saw that with Logan Gilbert. And Bobby Miller whipping this thing out is incredible. His command inside of at-bats, super impressive. Um, Bobby Miller does a great job utilizing his pitch mix to actually sequence effectively. Yeah, And that, yeah. too, is such a big deal for me, a young pitcher. And that MLB debut, if you watch that video, the biggest impression I had, like the biggest positive impression, was that the fact that he was throwing changeups down and away after throwing fastballs up and in to get out. So he was actually working against the batter instead of just like, okay, I need to throw strikes with whatever I can right now. Mm, And that's a big deal. So I'm a huge fan of Bobby Miller. You have the best outfield defense in the majors with the Dodgers. Uh, You have a terrible infield defense, which is interesting for a guy with the 22nd highest uh, ground ball rate. So we might see the 4.8 hit per nine go up quite a bit, um, which is the biggest knock I have against Bobby Miller. But still, this is a legit talent. I like him more than any of the young guys right now because he's a complete pitcher with the velocity yep. that helps for the margin of error. And now you have the massive whiff pitch as well. Also nice, too, that considering the hurdles that he already faced in Atlanta and New York, you probably don't really need to worry about anything in terms of starting against other people until we see him not succeed. Right. Great point. Yes, Absolutely. All right, we've got to move on to Tier 5 here, which is filled with a lot of fun names, as well as a person who has yet to be ranked and made his debut, and we're going to get to him right after this break. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization, so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. 
Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. And we're back. We're talking tier five here, 28 through 34. Hunter Brown, Freddie Peralta, Hunter Green at 30. He jumps up five. We have our first Tristan McKenzie sighting. He goes from uh, unranked because he was injured up to 31, followed by Marcus Stroman at 32. Then Bryce Miller and Mitch Keller rounding out the tier. What's it called and why is it called that? Um, they could have just released the blueprints for this instead of actually releasing it. <laughs> that's very good. Uh, I like because that. Because that's what these guys are. They all have the blueprint of how they are going to be successful. Um, okay. And we just want them to do it. All right. Good. Um, so we, we got to talk about um, Tristan McKenzie who makes his debut, and I mean, what a debut, right? Five innings pitched with one walk, 10 Ks, no one runs, one hit, uh, gets 79 pitches. 10 Ks and 79 pitches is remarkably efficient. Um, you know, we're looking at the Velo, who's still sitting 93 on the four-seamer overall, still pounding the top of the zone with that four-seamer. Curveball, a, a little bit erratic, still able to get seven called strikes with the pitch, but it looks like he was kind of missing over the heart of the zone more than you would like to see from the pitch. But overall, uh, you know, a, a very, very, very remarkable 2023 debut for Tristan McKenzie. What are you expecting to see from him over the course of the full season? I mean, this was the dream. This was everything we've wanted from Tristan McKenzie. Last year, McKenzie's four-seamer was a 50% high location pitch. And as someone who throws a ton of these four-seamers, you want that to be high lock. Here, it was 78%. That If he holds that, that's 97th percentile in the majors. Oh boy, that is so good. Oh, that's yeah. why he dominated in this one. 14% swing strike rate uh, on that pitch alone. And then what do you know? He got strikes on both the curveball and the slider. The curveball had an 81% strike rate. 44% called strike rate. Oh my gosh. 56% CSW while the slider had a 50% CSW with a 43% swinging strike rate. This is the dream. <laughs> I, I just, I just want to see it, right? We just got to see more of it. But, I mean, this happens actually at times. When guys go on the IL, they take a step back. And in some ways, they have to, they're given an opportunity to kind of reconfigure some things, especially in their rehab. And especially as they're going slower in those starts, they can focus more on what their mechanics are and how they're trying to execute what their approach is instead of just being on all the time every five days. And I do wonder if this actually was a thing for Tristan McKenzie. That mm -hmm. said, it was one start. Yeah. Now, we were really high on Tristan McKenzie. I mean, I was actually on the low side because I didn't really think that this was capable for McKenzie. But to see him this good out of the gate, he deserved that success. Has me pushing up to 31. Do I think it might be a little too high? Maybe. It might. Uh, in retrospect, probably closer to, say, like 37 or so than 31. But really, with the way that he performed there, if he just repeats that, if that actually is a new skill set of his to get his fastball in the upper half, then he's going to be deserving of that 31 spot easily, if not higher. All right. Um, 
a little curious to see uh, Bryce Miller just dropping two. Um, yeah. Obviously, uh, you know, an, an awful start to forget against the most potent offense in baseball, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, sure, part of it is the Rangers and being dominant. A lot of it is, to your credit, what you've been talking about with his middle-middle four-seamers, just not necessarily getting, uh, you know, the results that they or actually now regressing to the results that you would more expect middle-middle four-seamers to be getting, and maybe the lack of secondaries starting to catch up with him a bit. There have been certain kind of red flags off in the distance about the difference in his release points, the lack of slider whiffs that he's been getting, um, and whether or not they were going to catch up to him, and it seems like they have been catching up to him. I'll be very curious personally to see how he bounces back in his next two starts against the Angels and then in a worse offense in the White Sox. But I don't know. He's kind of teetering here. There's going to be a really big decision for Seattle to make here because we know how elite that four seamer can be. Can he maybe command it a little bit better? And can any of his secondaries take a step forward? What are you thinking about Bryce Miller? So with Bryce Miller, I mean, you could probably tell me more about this, considering that was the focus of your podcast um, with David Cohen. If you guys haven't listened to that, I don't know what you're doing. Listen to the Alex Fast show. Um, Bryce Miller, to me, still has this elite four seamer that he throws 70% of the time. There is actually a really fun conversation inside of the Twitch chat, uh, which you guys got to be doing. It's Monday from two to seven today, uh, where I'm just answering all your questions. We break down pictures together. Um, we talk about all the stuff that I'm thinking and that, you know, help you out with their leagues. It's a great time. It's completely free. Um, and we were talking about Taj versus Bryce Miller. And they're saying, well, isn't Taj Bradley's fastball just as good? And honestly, it kind of is. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the same exact metrics. Big difference is that Bryce throws this 70% of the time and Taj doesn't. It's about 46% of the time. And I prefer it when it's 70 because it's that good of a pitch. And when you are able to have the same results... But same great results, but over more usage, that's mm. a better thing. We see this all the time when it comes to like sliders. Oh, the slider's like the same one. Yeah, but this guy throws it 42% of the time. This other guy throws it 21% of the time. And that's a smaller gap than it is between Bryce and Taj Bradley's. Mm. I mean, it, it's crazy. Uh, so I really dig this fastball, as you described, of course, with David Cohn. And I'm not going to judge him too harshly against this, uh, against the Texas Rangers or really the Yankees. It does showcase that floor of the secondaries needed needing to help more. But what is the thing I say all the time about prospect pitchers that I can't wait for? When do I get most in on them? Uh when you see their secondaries established. No. That's okay a good thing. Uh it's when after their first adversity when they respond. Oh yes, when the, how they respond. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Right? Yep, 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 yep. And so we've seen yep. two starts now. We've seen two starts and Bryce Miller hasn't had it. And I'm making the bet that Bryce Miller from this is going to figure whatever tweak out he needs to do. And then he's going to be much better for it. Mm. So I love what he brings to the table. I love the fact that he's able to throw these four seamers nearly 70% of the time for strikes. And I think those secondary pitches will be better over time. So I'm a fan of Bryce Miller. I, I didn't feel comfortable lowering him before the other underneath the other guys. And I think his situation relative to the other prospects is much better considering that he's for the Mariners and they have already let him go multiple times, six innings. So I'm a huge fan of this. Love it. All right. Anyone else in this tier before we move on to the next? Mitch Keller has been a little bit worse. Yeah, I think it's going to be fine, but he's a little bit worse. Freddie Peralta should be much better than he has been. Uh, the four-seamer just hasn't gone his way. And that's really silly because he's getting his breaking balls in the zone. Um, Hunter Green is on that stretch. They've been waiting for 
And Marcus Stroman, I got, I mean, we talked about last week with the Cubs infield yep. defense. Uh, and I do wonder if that's going to actually sustain. I mean, having such a low BABIP despite the ground ball rate is really weird. Um, it's still not that typical, even with that great defense. So I'm happy for it. I raised him to 32, but I don't really think that he's going to be a top 30 pitcher the rest of the way. Okay. Let's move on to tier six here, 35 through 41. We're talking Dylan Cease, who jumps up seven, James Paxton up 16 to 36, followed by Jesus Lazardo, Luis Severino, Tanner Bybee, Yuri Perez, and rounding out the tier at 41, Taj Bradley. What's it called and why is it called that? <laughs> so this is called the Apple Robot. Um, and this is like Boston Dynamics times Apple, right? Or X Apple, where they work together to make a Siri robot. Um, and in concept, it sounds like, oh man, that would be amazing, but it's also a little bit terrifying with all of these. Sure. Okay, good. <laughs> Let's talk about, uh, uh, James Paxton who, uh, rises pretty significantly up to 16 coming off that very good start where he picks up eight K's just really pounding the top of the zone with his four seamers overall. Seems like there was kind of a strange change in his approach with his four seamers as he actually was in the 92nd percentile and low location. Uh, but in this start, it seems like he really just sat a little bit higher with that four seamer overall. There's been some peaks and valleys as the start before this, just three innings kind of, uh, stumbled and fell a little bit but really got back on track with this most recent start it's a small small sample size as it's just 19 innings pitch but a 34 percent k rate in that sample really doesn't hurt what are you thinking about james paxton what i think about james paxton is really that low location that you're talking about really came out against the angels um mm-hmm. and that's about it uh and that was the game where he struggled for 500 runs in three innings and it's really tough for me and with the small sample to really discern which Paxton it is right it's been four starts three of them has been the dream and one of them has been a fall so last week I saw him take a step back I was like okay you know what he's he's showing that this is a floor I need to lower him into the more of the cherry bomb side then he comes back and goes no that was real that, that was that was the fluke and that's how I'm translating this because that's three starts now out of four where he's pounded the zone with his four seamer and hey the breakers and the, and the cutter were better the curveball had a 39% CSW in this one. The cutter had a 65% strike rate. That's what we want to see from his secondaries while the four-seamer was super high up in the zone, as you mentioned. 12 out of 56 whiffs uh, on this pitch is incredible to see from James Paxton. Uh, I love this. I really do. I think that this is a really good pitcher that we have here. Um, is he going to be, as you mentioned, a 34% strikeout rate? Likely not. But I think he's much the 426 and one uh, ERA and 126 whip is just so silly because that's stupid start against the Angels. He's only allowed four and runs in the other three games combined uh, with 22 strikeouts. Yeah, that's uh, that's the real Paxton. Mm. Um, the next person you kind of talked about inconsistency a little bit and we kind of <laughs> don't do it. Talk about Luis don't do Alvarino. it. You know. Okay, good. That's good. Who do you think I was talking about? Let oh, come on. The, people on this the joke between oh, Fast and me, as you guys yeah, know, yeah. is the bet of Louis, <laughs> of Jesus Lazardo, who I'm winning the whip side. You're winning the ERA side as of now. <laughs> uh, and by the way, it's a 351 Babbitt for 14th percentile so far uh, mm. for Jesus Lazardo, which I think is the correction he needs, considering the K minus walk rate is above 20%, which is elite. So I'm still in on Luzardo. With Severino. He had a massive drop in velocity um, in that seven-run game against the Dodgers, uh, down 2.3, which is terrifying. Uh, Also down 1.5 across the board on changeup and slider and cutter as well. 
Uh, it was weird, man. And I can't help but think there's some injury involved. So, I know. It's, I was yeah. looking at the quotes from the start, too, because like obviously the New York media is going to pick up on that better than maybe any other media outlet. And he was like, oh, I didn't even notice. <laughs> they were like, White. what? Yeah, he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just really kind of focused on, on making my pitches. Um, he said that he was going to look at the velocity when he reviews the start on Saturday. Uh, he said, I can throw 95 where I want. I would rather throw 99 where I want, but 95, I can get through the lineup. But he didn't have good locations. Yeah, he said that he was just off. Uh, Boone said he was just a tick off. But like, yeah, two two ticks is definitely a little bit scary. So something. Now, I will will mention the slider and the cutter changeup weren't really like that badly located. But the fastball being what it was, it was just it made me terrified a lot of that bats. And then he he would make the mistake pitch and then get hit, you know, and I, I had to drop him down into this tier for that reason. Don't blame you. Anyone else in this tier you want to hit upon before we move to tier seven? It's so hard to say Tanner Bybee, Yuri Perez, and Taj Bradley, like what order you want to do. Dylan Cease, by the way, got his slider back, so he's on the up up end, but we'll see what happens uh, moving forward if he has any sort of consistency with that. But Bybee, I mean, I outlined in some of the notes, which were, by the way, 6,000 words today. Yes. All right. Gosh. Um, so <laughs> Tanner Bybee, to me, is more of like right now the complete package more so than the other two. Um, he also is in a great situation with the Guardians where he still has a win chance there and six innings constantly. While Yuri Perez, I think, long term has actually a really good um, repertoire and, a, and the best, uh, better fastball than Bybee, worse than Taj Bradley's, but more consistent. Um, and I think there's a lot to like with Yuri Perez, but he still needs to to polish the edges, you know, really sand it down because there are a lot of wasted pitches inside of at-bats that are making go five innings, 88 pitches, as opposed to six innings, 88 pitches. The limitation is not the innings, everyone. It's the pitches, and that's mm-hmm. Perez's fault, not the Marlins. While Taj Bradley, I think the Rays understand that he doesn't have good command. I was talking to Jason Collette over the weekend because he's amazing, and he was like, look, the reason the Rays sent him down was not because it was just a Rays manipulation. Taj Bradley had bad command. Mm-hmm. And they were like, look, figure out that fastball. You're leaning, you're leaning too much on the secondaries, and you have to work on the fastball. Remember all the 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 focus on AAA starts and how he wasn't using his other pitches. We're wondering what's going on. The Rays were just like, I don't care what the results are. Focus only on this and just get better at this. And we haven't necessarily seen that from Taj Bradley. The, the curveball is still inconsistent. It's really nice when it works. The cutter either mi- hits the middle of the zone or misses way out of it. Mm-hmm. And the fastball, when it is elevated, is effective. And that's why you see those seven, eight strikeout games. So there is a world here, man that Taj Bradley figures this out, gets the feel of all three of those, and just excels concerning, hey, as I mentioned, same fastball as Bryce Miller, but there are some things to figure out along the way. Lovely. Um, I'll let you know what I was laughing about as we move on to tier seven here, 42 through 50. So this is uh, John Gray, Tyler Wells at 43, Merrill Kelly, Zach Eflin at 45, followed by Shane Bieber. He drops 12. Sonny Gray drops 14 to 47. Tony Gonsolin up six to 48. Lucas Giolito and Charlie Morton. What's it called? Why is it called that? This is the third Apple Pencil. Uh <laughs> You know, and they're like, hey, look, we got it. There are more things yeah. we can do with this. You know, they're like, wait, you know, we have the double tap system. That's great. But, you know, maybe that eraser works better. Maybe uh, some other things. Maybe we actually turn into a laser pointer as well. Uh, yeah. But something that's just kind of like, all right, this is fine. This is okay. fine. 
the reason I was laughing was because I wanted to talk about Tony Gonsolin, who jumps up six. And I was going to say, you know, here we are. You know, we're what he is about five or six starts into the season for him. Uh, actually, more. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven starts into the season. Did you and laugh seeing his BABIP? He's got a 177 ERA, a .9 whip, and don't we all have egg on our face? Because me included, we were all talking about how the severe regression was coming. You just pointed out he's got a 61 BABIP. And I was just about to say to you, so when does it happen? Do we just keep riding this until we see the ultimate fall of Tony Gonsolin for him to fall back down to what we think he theoretically should be? And what do you know? I checked the box scores, and in the first inning, he gives up three earned runs to the Cincinnati Reds <laughs> with, <laughs> with, 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 with uh, no strikeouts and and one walk so maybe it's happening right now I also think it's funny that a guy that you've talked about a lot of like he can't keep getting away with this and Tommy Henry has already given up four runs in one inning against the Nationals but that's neither here nor there so I guess that kind of takes care of the Tony Gonsolin part of this conversation so maybe let's shift on over oh you can hit on that if you want but I also do want to talk about Sonny Gray any thoughts on Tony Gonsolin very quickly yeah it's 111th ground ball rate in the majors I so maybe that explains the bad because the the Dodgers defense in the outfield is the best in baseball. Mm. But yeah, I mean, the thing is, when you think about the 155 BABIP, you know that's not going to stick. So let's say let's go to 255, which is still really good. Uh, it, it Regression doesn't come like, oh, he's a 175 ERA, so now he's going to be a 275 ERA or something. Like, no, 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 no. It's a dam that breaks, not yeah. a stick of a broom, you know? And uh, it, it's, a, it's a huge change in everything. So uh, I'm not too surprised by that. But also, I mean, I don't know if that necessarily means I'm going to drop Tony Gonson like 10 spots or something next week. Um, let's see how he recovers through it. There are a lot of times we uh, we see like two, three runs in the first and we think, oh, no, this is a waste of start. Then they go five good innings after that. Uh, so I won't say that Tony Gonson is terrible now. The splitter, hey, gets a lot of strikes and outs typically. Um, mm. But yeah, he's not he's not the kind of pitcher he has been thus far. Sonny Gray, uh, you know, is is interesting. He, he's he goes to the curveball 21 percent of the time. Right. And I think earlier in the season, one of the big reasons for his success was he was picking up a very good swing strike rate on the pitch. And then recently, you kind of have to be led to believe that the lack of usage. Right. I mean, he threw it eight times. Yeah. Against what Houston. is going on? 10 times against Cleveland and again 21 percent right usage so it's not like he's throwing it 40 or 50 percent of the time but still it just seems like either he's not confident with it right now eight thrown against Houston like I said with no whiffs two whiffs uh, uh on 10 thrown against the yeah, Guardians what are you but doing? like it's very interesting to see this this pattern so it almost wonders as if like this is the regression that we were kind of anticipating for him. well you were mentioning that you mentioned that Cone was saying like Sonny Gray's two different pitchers against righties and lefties. Yep. Yep. And that could be part of it of maybe what he's facing. He's electing to choose fewer curveballs or sliders. But my whole philosophy, um, and I know it's not for everybody. This is more of a broad label. But generally, I think the the splits of what you throw versus a righty versus lefty are silly. Uh, mm-hmm. If you throw a worse, if you have a really good pitch and you're throwing less of it because it's a lefty and you're going to throw like a mediocre pitch instead. What are you doing? Throw, you, there are ways to make every single pitch work against either handedness. Uh, and maybe I, that's just not a skill and you don't really want to lean into it. But I just I don't get it. Last four games, 374 ERA, 152 whip, 15.5 percent strikeout rate for Sonny Gray in his last four games. And I've been mentioning this. I mean, this is who Sonny Gray is all of his career. He's been this volatile guy. It's been really tough as fantasy managers to have Sonny Gray on your teams because there are these amazing stretches he had. 
in like 2020. Remember how good he was for a moment? Then he kind of slowed down at the end. Right. This is the story of Sonny Gray. So when we saw him excel in April, he was one of the easier sell highs that we listed. Now, I was saying that and I said, cool, I'll still have him at top 30 because I'm not going to rule out the chance that maybe he has actually unlocked a thing. But now that we've seen, okay, no, it's been four starts now of like a lot worse and the curveball isn't as good as it was before. And the slider, too, has not been as good. Then, okay, he's at 47 now. Am I saying that you should drop Sonny Gray? No, because there's also a chance that Sonny Gray gets it back. That's what volatility is. It's not just up, then down, and we're done. It normally goes back up for a bit. So mm. I still think you should hold on to him. But yeah, if you have any idea that Sunday Gray is going to have these elite, this elite ERA and strikeout rate this year, you should probably move on from that. Okay. Anyone else on this tier that you want to hit upon before we move on to tier eight? Shane Bieber's down to 46 fast. I know. It's a little scary. 46. He has Tyler a 17% strikeout Bieber. rate. What's that? Tyler Wells is over Shane Bieber. And that's yeah. And am I wrong? No, I did. Absolutely. It's amazing. Right? It's incredible. Zach Eflin, Merrill Kelly are also above them. Uh, Zach Eflin, by the way, with the cutter is really, really changed what he does. Uh, it's elites uh, sinker called strike rates. And that's really cool. Um, but yeah, Shane Bieber just isn't getting it done with a slider. And it's just like, this is tough. I mean, at 46, Shane Bieber is not waiver wire fodder. Right. I make that point in the notes. I'm not saying you should drop him. But yeah, the idea that Shane Bieber is going to all of a sudden just get it back and be a top 20 pitcher. I mean, I think we got to kind of move on from that idea. And uh, it's unfortunate, but it's just kind of who he is right now. I'm with you. Moving to tier eight, 51 through 58. Bryce Elder jumps up 10 to 51, followed by Braxton Garrett up 11 to 52. Logan Allen, Louis Varland, JP France, Jose Brios up 11 to 56. Michael Waka up 20 to 57 and Bailey Ober down 13 to 58. What's it called and why is it called that? So, no, I have my random ones. I'm going to save them for the later tiers. <laughs> I have like kooky ones fast, like absolutely kooky ones. But I feel like we need right now, the, this is a tier of like you found your last bit of stability, stability, right? Like these are the the guys that you're like, okay, so fine. Um, Apple says, you know what? We finally have a mouse that works and he doesn't have the charger underneath. It's actually a good product. Mm-hmm. you know and like don't worry you'll be fine with this it's not flashy it's not incredible but it's just, it's just a good mouse <laughs> let's lead with the best mouse of them all and who am i talking about we'll find out after this break i, I don't think he's a mouse i just I, I was i was panicking and i needed to transition <laughs> us to a break but i'm talking about price elder uh i guess he's a mouse in that everyone sees him and gets scared of regression no, hey. um bryce elder jumps up 10 he's super interesting you and i were having a little bit of a conversation about him in the past couple of days obviously on the surface you know he's leading baseball among qualified starters of the 1.92 era but there's stuff so underneath silly. that's really terrifying guys make contact they smoke the ball right below average velocity not a log of swings and misses not great plv not great stuff plus elite at stranding runners so far what's funny too is like his most dominant pitch by far has been the slider overall and it leads all of baseball in run value but the thing about run value is that's not inherently a good thing that just means that his slider is helping him get out of the most high leverage situations Mm. you don't even necessarily want him to be in those high leverage situations to begin with as a quick primer if i throw a slider and it gets me out of a bases loaded jam that gets more uh in terms of run value than it does uh, a strikeout with nobody that's on why, because it's that's huge. why we created plv fast yeah it drove me insane 
It drove me insane. It wasn't actually yeah. a value of the pitch itself. It's just the value of the context of the pitch. Exactly. Uh, you know what's really crazy about uh, Bryce Elder? His slider is is very good. Don't get me wrong. 149 batting average allowed, 206 BABIP. Uh, 30% hard contact, but all right. Yep. His sinker and his four-seamer each have a BABIP above 350. Wow. Yeah, the, the wow. The four-seamers are yeah. not good. No, the, fa- the, yeah, the fastballs are bad. 41% hard contact on the sinker. He does not get this inside enough. He leaves them over the plate so often. Only a 25% O-swing. And you know me, I'm all about sinker O-swing. I say, look, I can believe that this pitch is actually really good if you're able to get this inside and jam batters a ton. Cal Quantrill kind of survived for ages on that. Yeah. And no, Elder does not do that. It's a 47th percentile O-swing on a sinker. So it's just a slider. And this is a, a one-pitch guy who is throwing out, like, I don't know, candy rocks trying to distract guys with a four-seamer and sinker and change-up. And, I mean, okay, this isn't going to last, but, like, this is the most Vargas rule of anyone I've seen this year, I think. Where, I mean, like, Mitch Keller turned into an actual thing you hold on to. Sure. You know? And Bryce Elder, we know we're going to drop Bryce Elder at some point. It could even be by the All-Star break. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, the other guy that I want to talk about in this tier is, you know, one of the things that I always love looking at, and you bring this up every year in the breakdowns that you do in your analysis, is like who the guy is outside of the top 300 who is going to, you know, really skyrocket and help your fantasy team, right? Like, so Bobby Miller, probably going to be a good example at the end of the year. Um, you know, Mitch Keller, probably going to be a good example at the end of the year. But one of the guys who might not be as sexy, but who was waiver wire fodder, who has been very beneficial for you is Michael Waka, who jumps up yeah. 20 to, to where is he at? To number 57, right? So like I said, it's not the sexiest thing in the world. A 3.48 ERA is very good. It's 51st best. Um, he's very good at mitigating hard contact. 23% strikeout rate. Again, not the sexiest thing in the world. It's uh, 83rd in all of baseball right now. But he has been more than serviceable. He's been a fantastic 4 or 5 pitcher for you. And he just keeps doing it. Now, obviously, not very efficient against the Cubs in his most recent start. Just going 4 and 2 thirds with 2 earned runs and the 5 walks. But he picks up the 8 Ks as well. The eight Ks, uh, the five walks are definitely out of the norm for him. Yeah, he had three walks right. against Minnesota in the beginning of May, but this but is not, not normal him. for him. Yeah, this is not him at all. If anything, the changeup has just been so fantastic for him. I mean, overall, in the course of the year, it's got a 195 batting average against. It's got a 246 Woba, both of which are well above league average. Uh, he's picking up a near 23% swinging strike rate Insane. on the pitch, which is 89th percentile in baseball. What is it about Michael Walker that has you putting him at 57? 70% strike rate on that changeup. That's so good. 94th percentile, yeah. And 13% hard contact rate. I really I, I lean in on those two. I think those are really interesting correlations of, or just a showcase of success where the hard contact rate is about 80th percentile, which is excellent, of course, but it's not like 90th or 100th at 13%. But the fact that he throws so many strikes and has that low hard contact rate is showing that these are effective strikes. These are actually mm. ones that are generally going to be beneficial for him because he, the guys aren't killing it when he is throwing those strikes. And that's that's a huge deal for Michael Waka. We saw this at the end of last year that he did have that feel for for the change. I'm actually really through all of last year, and I didn't really believe that it would be this consistent. Uh, it also really depends on the cutter and the four-seamer getting other strikes 
So you can't just survive on one pitch if it's 32% usage. You still have two-thirds of your repertoire that needs to not get destroyed. And this year, that four-seamer has gone from 35% hard contact rate, which really had me turning away from Waka, to just 23% this year. Mm. It's dropped 100 points in BABIP, over 110 on batting average. He's locating this thing way better than he used to. Much more high yeah. location on it. Uh, he is jamming guys less and spotting it down and away more often. It's a very interesting thing that's going on with Michael Walker. Much more, a much better play uh, change at four-seamer than we've seen in the past. He's also gotten that cutter down more often. Uh, it's been fine for him, that cutter. I would say, honestly, that's his weakest element at the moment. But Michael Walker is on a roll right now. 123 ERA with a .85 whip with 34 strikeouts across his last six starts. That's mm. insane for Michael Walker. And you yeah. just got to keep going with it. I don't really yep. think that the four-seamer is this good and that the cutter is kind of susceptible to strike pitch fine. Changeup is this good, but it's really indicative of that or really a, a product of that. Now, last, that element, guess who has the best infield defense in the majors? Uh, the Padres. The Padres do. But he also has 173rd ground ball rate. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. 34, 34% ground ball rate for Michael Waka. So uh, it does help him, of course, on those grounders as well on top of everything else. But man, it makes you think, like, Julio Teheran, for example, is a ground ball guy. He throws these sinkers and sliders and just hopes the ground balls mm-hmm. will work. He had zero strikeouts. He survived six innings uh, a week ago. He was on the Padres. And that's why. And I'm actually kind of thinking like, oh, man, wouldn't you rather have had Julio Tehran than Ryan Weathers pitching right now? Yeah, uh, it's kind of uh, it's a little bit interesting. Like teams can play into these strengths and I won't be surprised if the Padres go and get some massive ground ball inducing pitcher at the deadline. Another one. Just just actually like a Toby who's like, whatever. But then like yeah. it's a ground ball guy. And there you go. Probably be relatively cheap too. Um, yeah. All right, let's move to tier nine fifty nine through sixty six here. As we're we're running up the hours here, having some good conversations. Oh, we might go a little bit uh, long on this one. There it is. Uh, fifty nine through sixty six. Andrew Abbott appears at fifty nine, followed by Blake Snell, Edward Cabrera, Lance Lynn falls eleven to sixty two, followed by Alex Cobb up eight to sixty three. Reed Detmers, Jack Flaherty, and rounding out the tier at sixty six. Domingo Herman. What's it called? Why is it called that? Um. All right. We're going to go with the Apple Thumb, which is their uh, their way to pay for your cards just with your thumb. You don't need your phone anymore. You love it. Love it. Big fan. Uh, let's. I'm tempted because there's so many fun things to talk about here. Blake Snell kind of returning a little bit, which is nice. Alex Cobb just showcasing that fantastic splitter against the Orioles. Domingo Herman dominating absolutely with the curveball, looking better than he has in quite some time. But I think we have to give you the floor and let you talk a little bit about Andrew Abbott for those who might have missed that video, which you could still catch, of course, on YouTube. But talk to us about Andrew Abbott. Yeah, watch that video. You'll understand everything I'm saying. It was a really hard, tough really hard start to judge because it's Cincinnati. So I have a terrible camera angle as a lefty. It's against the Brewers who are a terrible offense and how they react to pitches. I can't really depend on uh, moving forward and it's an MLB debut. So we had four walks and we know that was jitters a bit. So how much is that going to come back? That said, there were some really nice at bats that he had. And when he didn't miss, it didn't really feel like he was just out of control. Like sure. He had some where he opened up too quickly, which is very typical for, uh, MLB debuts, that means you miss up and away um, from right-handers or essentially up and arm side is what I should be saying. 
And Andrew, Andrew Abbott does have a four-seamer that I understand why he took down the minors with this pitch, going down and away and up and in. Um, both yeah. sides of the plate really actually sequencing. And he didn't execute his slider. He didn't really execute his changeups. He got free real estate with the curveball. But we had those flashes, that curveball down in the middle for strikeouts. We had sliders that were just missed or too far away. But we knew that if that was in the right location, which I'm sure he's done in the past a lot, that is really good. And then some really nice changeups as well. But also the Brewers, I mean, I outlined it in the video, actually. That was more of like an anti-Brewers YouTube video talking about swing decisions. And if you guys think I just only know things about pitching absolutely wrong, I had to coach. And one of the things I really, really instilled was the right swing decisions based on count in what you're looking for as a hitter. And I see this these mistakes a lot in the majors still. It's a big difference between the elite hitters and the uh, the the guys who struggle is how they approach at bats. Should they be swinging at that perfectly placed fastball down away at 1-0? Probably not. Uh, you know, that could actually be an out that we saw even in this game. So Andrew Abbott is someone you pick up right now. Um, you can't judge him too much for this Brewer star. It looks good on paper, but then again, Matthew Liebertor looked good. And uh, we kind of know how that fell. So pick him up. We'll see how he does the next time. I am encouraged because he had 90 strikeouts and 56 innings in the minors this year between double A AA and triple A. And I like it, but it's also the Reds and Great American Small Park. So it goes both ways there. And I'm curious what we're going to get. Quick hits on anyone else before moving to the final couple tiers. Blake Snell can't throw strikes. I hate it. Uh, Edward Cabrera is getting better at throwing strikes, maybe? Lance Lynn had three great games against bad teams, and now he did terribly against the Angels, and now it's the Yankees and Dodgers, and I don't know what to do. Uh, Reed Detmers, it's interesting. He gets the Cubs at Texas and Los Angeles next, the Dodgers, and uh, you don't want to do that, but I still still want to stick to my guns here that Reed Detmers as a pitcher, considering he's still 23, will be better in the second half. Um, in the same kind of way you think of like Blake Snell, it's kind of like how it is Reed Detmers. So if you think of him as a prospect stash, I do think he becomes better as it goes on, but I understand, like, if you want to just drop him, go ahead, go get other things. To make Herman is interesting, uh, and it's a good curveball, and fastball changeup are fine. While Jack Flaherty, it's just like, what are we going to get? Yeah, what are we going to get each night? He's getting better, but it's still not something I want to trust. Tier 10, 67 through 75, Michael Kopech, Drew Smiley, falls 9 to 68, followed by Garrett Whitlock, Brian Bayo. Right? I'm Brian. proud of you. Nailed it. Kobe Bayo. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mackenzie Gore of, so proud of uh, down to 71 JP Sears up 4 to 72 followed by AJ Smith Shaver, uh, Brian Wu and Yusei Kikuchi rounding out the tier what's it called and why is it called that this is Apple using direct X uh, and actually having like acting like Windows as an OS to host video games because it sounds great but it's not mm. going to happen Never, never in a million years. Uh, man, so many good people to hit on. I saw, like, I watched a Brian Bello. Bello. Dang it. Oh, my um, God. Unbelievable. <laughs> I watched his his start uh, yesterday against the Rays, and his first inning was one of the more dominant innings yeah, I've seen from a pitcher in quite some time. And but actually, you also saw some mistake pitches in that, right? A few, but like, right, he, he, like he, he wasted swings. some as well. I mean, yes, when he executed it, it was perfect, and the Rays also yeah. rewarded him for it. But... You know, if they had fouled off a couple more pitches or so, right, and then force him to throw more, you know, we did see that later on in the game, and that's when they got to him a bit. Um, but that wasn't like one of those, like, an immaculate ending kind of things. Like, I remember seeing a slider, they just completely bounced, and then he threw this fastball way out of the zone. And that's, those are the elements of young pitchers that I, uh, that we kind of miss in the box scores. 
but yeah. really showcase like this is why they aren't aces yet. If you watch an ace pitch, they don't have those. They are always threatening and attacking. Sure. And it's a huge, huge difference. And we don't think that Brian Bayo doesn't have the stuff. He does. We saw it yeah. in that inning. But it's about that consistent execution, like really hammering down at bats that makes it so that batters don't get comfortable. When they see those waste pitches, they feel so much better that like with the next pitch they're going to see is either going to be a really good one for them to hit or it's going to be an easy take. And that can completely change the confidence of a hitter and change at bats. So that's the big thing with Brian Bayo. It's why he's at 70 and not higher up. Talk another young guy too, twenty four years old. So plenty of promise for him. I'm Absolutely, to watch him grow. Um, I mean, we can only really talk about one. Who you think between AJ Smith Chauver and Brian Wu? Uh, Brian Wu, you got to give him an excuse for the Rangers and we're, treat him as if he hasn't made his debut yet. And the same thing with AJ Smith Chauver. I do like his situation pitching for the Braves and the fact that they were aggressive with him as as they are. Mm-hmm. It yeah. gives me more hope. I mean, I did see a little bit of his one relief appearance. It was interesting. It wasn't great, but I'm happy kind of that they got that out of the way. And then sure. now we get like a different one. Um, I think it should be Saturday against the Nationals. So very excited about that. I think you should um, pick him up, see how that's going to go, and then we can move on. Also, you see right. Kikuchi's throwing curves and sliders now and then fastballs like sparingly for strikes. What? That actually might work. Yeah, just saying. I mean, he's at seventy-five. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, he tinkers a bunch, so it's it's fun to see. I'm always gonna have a soft spot for him, but hopefully we can get a little more consistency overall and see him pull that together. That would be nice to be a, see a pitcher be dope. Let's move on to tier 11, 76 through eighty. Miles Michaelis up eight to seventy-six. Michael Lorenz and Dane Dunning, Martin Perez and Jordan Montgomery. What's it called? Why is it called that? It's Apple talking about their infrastructure, and I'm just like, guys, just stop. We don't care. Okay, let's uh, <laughs> let's talk about uh, Miles Michaelis, uh, you know, former king of the Tobies. So he he does, you know, he has a dominant start against Kansas City where he just shows up with 10 K's, and eight innings. You're like, what is going on? You know, this is unbelievable. 25 called strikes, 38 percent CSW overall. And then we're like, yeah, baby, going up against Pittsburgh next singled out 10 yeah. hits. Two earned runs, no walks, two Ks and 90 pitches, but still jumping up. What is it about Miles Michaelis? He's that not necessarily like jumping uh, up. He's I didn't touch him. <laughs> I mean, a lot of the times of the list, especially I say it after like 65 or so. I mean, look, Anthony Descafani's off the list and he was in this tier last week. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, like okay. things can change so quickly in the back half. It's really about like. Are we in positions as fantasy managers where we still trust this guy? A lot of the times the guy's like, all right, we'll give him one more and then it's not the thing and then you move on and then it's a bad schedule and that kind of thing. This is very uh, fluid at the end here. Um, Just trying to figure out who is your last guy, who is the one you're going to focus on this week, who do you want to chase, that kind of thing. And Miles Michaelis is as Tobe as it gets. I mean, really, like we didn't, we knew that the strikeout games weren't real. So sure, Miles Michaelis exists. He's here. Um, a quick word on Michael Lorenzen, who's been stringing some starts. Together. Yeah, those are good matchups. If he doesn't have good matchups, I don't want it. All right. Tier 12, 81 through 88. Matthew Boyd appears in the list at 81, followed by Brady Singer, Andrew Heaney, Kodai Senga at 84, Johan Oviedo at 85, followed by Griffin Caning, Jared Schuster, and Luis Ortiz. What's it called and why is it called that? This is called Apple SFAI, which is their chat GPT uh, rival. 
<laughs> Very good. Uh, we should hit upon the Boyd boy because we got excited a couple of starts ago as it looked like he had finally gotten back to the slider that we were used to seeing from him. Then we, that was the Kansas City game. Then Texas, we knew that was going to be a little bit difficult because, again, it's Texas best offensive baseball. And earlier on, it looked like he might survive. And then he gave up four walks and five run runs overall. And then here we have his highest strikeout game in quite some time against the White Sox. Just goes five, gets into a little trouble at the back end of the game, but picks up nine Ks overall thanks to not the slider, though. No. The four seam, which he yeah. just pounded the top of the zone. Insane. With. Didn't really. It was fantastic. Sat 92 about. Didn't really matter that it was sitting 92 because he just sat there and it allowed him to have a great start. What are you thinking about Matthew Boyd? He had a 42% zone rate on the four-seamer, yet a 73% strike rate. This was across 33 thrown for eight whiffs. Look, if Matthew Boyd can have that fastball command and then have the fastball command, sorry, the slider command that he had against the Royals, then we're in business. Mm. But that's a big if right now. And I don't think that Matthew Boyd is a long-term success with just that fastball and buying in on that command of that one start is not a thing that I want to do. So I'm a little questionable here of Matthew Boyd. I want to be more in on it, um, but I need to see more from the arsenal first. Any other thoughts on anyone in this tier real quick before the final tier of the day? Hey, Jared Schuster still has a good slider and that could work out. Um, but yeah, avoid Heaney's too much of a cherry bomb. Same with Senga and... Brady Singer did well, but yeah, he's exactly the same guy as we know. So, yeah, all cherry bombs here. Tier 13, final tier of the evening. The Orioles tier 89 through 100. Aaron Savale appears. Mike Clevenger, Dean Kramer, Brandon Bilak, Kyle Gibson, Clark Schmidt at 94, followed by Patrick Sandoval, Kyle Bradish, Hogan Harris, Paul Blackburn, Julio Tehran, and the new number 100, Reese Olsen. What's it called? Why is it called that? Apple announces that they are purchasing... A grocery store. And we all think, oh my gosh, is it finally Trader Joe's? Are they going with Trader Joe's? Please be Trader Joe's. And it just happens to be the sea town on my block. And I'm not very excited. <laughs> okay, okay, good. Uh, let's have you end with the new Mr. 100 in Reese Olsen. Obviously, always fun to give a little bit of credit to who you think the new number 100 is. So he's a pitcher with the Detroit Tigers. What have you seen that had you thinking, okay, this this might not be terrible? Hey, 32% strikeout rate against the, the White Sox in his MLB debut. I, what I saw in this was a really nice looking slider. He threw it in the zone a ton. 60% uh, zone usage, 30%, sorry, 30, 60% zone percentage with an 80% strike rate on that slider. 40% CSW. This is Reese Olsen. Uh, it's kind of interesting. He throws these fastballs that have a lot of lateral movement to them that are kind of hard. 95, 96 and there's something to like here about that change of six for 13 whiffs on that one. He has some beautiful ones down in middle that were just devastating. So there's something to like here. I, I do wonder if his overall command isn't that great. He pitches for the Tigers, and you don't really know what the Tigers are going to do in the first place as well. I don't really have the biggest uh, faith in the Tigers for developing starters, kind of in the same light of the Nationals and the Angels. We saw like maybe Tarek Skubal a little bit, but Matthew Boyd, they not really helping out too much there. Um, and so on and so forth, Matt Manning. So I, I don't really want to buy too much into this one start against a team that is really susceptible against right-handed breaking balls like the White Sox. Mm. And that said, there's some interesting stuff here. And I do wonder if we will see Reese Olsen become something more than this moving forward. Very good. Looking around baseball before we head out, as there are plenty of games on right now. Uh, we already mentioned that Tony Gonsolin off to uh, not the greatest start, although he seems to have recovered a little bit. Louis Varland. Well, guess what? Fast. Up, but... 
You guys but, will all have heard this on the Plus Pitch podcast this morning. Um, you'll hear true. my take on that. And if you want to hear Alex's take, well, then just bug him on Twitter. What are you doing? That's true. But I do. I'll give you one quick take. Aaron Go Hicks ahead. as an Oriole is fantastic. <laughs> nice little two, I got that two from Shafiq. Shafiq sent me like five over 13 or something with like a 1,000 OPS. It's like, okay. <laughs> he just he just did a two-run home run. Get, are you uh, serious? Off, off Freddie Peralta. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. Uh, yeah, that's great. Um, all right. Oh, yes. Wait. Actually, one last thing I do want to say. Um, through 77 pitches, this pitcher has uh, six innings, two hits, one earned run, zero walks, and eight strikeouts. His name? Strikeouts. Uh, Jesus, Jesus Lazardo. Lazardo. <laughs> Very nice. He did it against Kansas City. Um, all so right, what? that is gonna. You got to do well against gonna, the bad ones. That's gonna do it for episode number 397 of All the Quarter, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast, and I'm Nick Pollock. We'll talk to you guys next week.